Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for being here tonight to join me to learn about something that I have thoroughly enjoyed learning about myself, thoroughly enjoyed researching and discovering more and more in this topic and um, expanding my understanding of it. Um, it's been absolutely magnificent to discover this um, subject, and I'm thrilled to have an opportunity to share it with those of you um, who are here tonight. And as you listen to these ideas and you process them, I'd be very interested in hearing your feedback um, now or later um, as to what this subject means to you, what the ramifications of this are, what you can uh, make of this idea as you go through life, um, because it truly is uh, unlimited. It's a truly limitless idea, and it has incredible capacity to expand our lives and actually to expand our capacity in our lives. The subject, the topic of our shear tonight is never helpless. That is the name of our subject. It's not exactly the subject of Amuna and Bitachon. It's not exactly the subject of self-esteem. It's um, a combination of a variety of subjects, plus it's an expansion on some things that you might be aware of, and I hope you'll join me in discovering what it holds. Tomorrow night, we will be celebrating Hanukkah, and that's a holiday of light and of miracles and um, illuminating the exile. In that story, there is a turning point that brought the salvation, and that was when a very small group of Hashmonaim, who were led by one person, um, had an idea to stand up against the status quo that was not acceptable to them. And they stood tall, and they refused to submit to helplessness. In our Parsha, we have Yosef having dreams. He has these two dreams in which he perceives himself as um, someone in a position of Malchus and um, with his brothers encircling him and bowing down to him, he presents this um, idea, this dream to his brothers. They are very turned off uh, of, with his um, presentation of himself as the king, even if it was um, in his dreams. They are very turned off by it. They're, they're sort of like disgusted by him. And then we have the brothers saying, um, when he comes innocently to get them in the field, they say, Here comes the dreamer. Um, and now let's kill him. And they say, let's see what will happen with his dreams. So you hear the scorn for um, Yosef, really, and for his dreams in the voice of the brothers. And we need to just step aside for a moment and say, the Shifte Ka, these brothers, are Gedole Olam. They are massively great people for whom our regard remains. We still call them the Shvatim of Hashem, and they're still regarded as tzaddikim and great people. And why they saw fit to do what they're about to do, and why they saw fit to um, participate in what really appears us to be a heinous crime. Um, that's really the subject of another another shear, and it really does need our attention. Why the Shvatim saw 
that it was saw fit for them to um, to do something so destructive to Yosef. But that really is another shear, which um, you know I suggest is something that we we explore and do think about. But right now we're going to pull back our topic to what happened to Yosef. So we have the Shvatim scorning him and saying with derision, like, yeah, let's see what happens to him, to his dreams once we kill him. That's going to be the end of him. So we have him, his mother's not alive anymore. His father is not able to help him here. Um, his own brothers re are ready to kill him. They throw him into a pit. They rip off his precious garment from his father. They sell him. They sell him as a slave to people passing by. And it turns out his dreams are actually true, if you think about it. His dreams come true. He becomes a king. And through his whole relationship with dreams and everything that happens, if you follow the story, he rises and rises until he, Yosef, saves them. But the way that he was abandoned and worse than abandoned, he was discarded, right? He was mocked. He was dismissed. Efforts were made to kill him. He could easily, and if you want to say in quotes, rightfully, because rights are an interesting you know, thing to discuss, but he could easily and rightfully have fallen into a depressed state of misery. Um, deep, unforgiving resentment would have made sense. Now, we, it's true that we don't know the feelings and the thoughts of the Avos and the people in the Torah, unless the Torah tells us what they felt or thought. So it's not our place to say what Yosef felt or thought, because we don't know that. But we can look at his actions, that we can do, and we can look at what the Torah does tell us. And we can say that someone else who went through what Yosef went through would have been crushed and, and, and would have been destroyed by that. And we would say that, you know, you could look at how Yosef did choose to conduct himself and you could say it, it, it is possible that he had these other things in mind, which we're going to present. So I'm just giving a look, a word of caution because we don't know what the Avos thought or felt unless we're told that. We don't know what the people in the Chumash did, but we do know, we do see what the Torah does tell us of their thoughts and their feelings, and we do see how they behaved. So, it, you know, if you look just like at the, how the, the um, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz describes the way the Yitzhahara deals with people. Okay, this is what Rav Chaim Shmulevitz says about all people. And so we can say, perhaps this was true for Yosef as well. Um, so typically, first the Yitzhahara tries to have a person feel inferior and guilty. And once a person feels a sense of guilt and worthlessness, he is easy prey for being trapped by the Yitzhahara in many ways. And so Rav Chaim Shmulevitz says, what is the antidote? A person should strive to internalize elevated feelings about himself. When a person has those feelings of elevation, he'll be careful not to do anything that will lower his level. If feelings of self-respect and importance are an inherent part of a person's self-image, those feelings will prevent him from sinning. So this is Rav Chaim Shmulevitz on the role of how someone thinks of themselves and then how they behave. So um, we are just going to suggest a perspective. We don't know exactly what was going on in Yosef's mind. So instead of falling and being depressed, giving up on life, um, resenting and hating his brothers, instead, what does the Pasuk tell us? It says, by he, Hashem es Yosef, and Hashem was with Yosef. He never let his brother's impression of him 
affect his conduct. I'll say that again, because that's what we can see. We, he never let his brother's impression of him, which we know for sure, affect his conduct, and that we know for sure, because we see how he conducted himself. It says Hashem was with Yosef, which means Hashem is with a person when the person is with Hashem, right? So he seems to have held his head high through the searing Nisayon of Eshes Potiphar. Here we have a lonely, abandoned, discarded 17-year-old young man very, very good looking, lost and treated heinously by his brothers. And here's someone reaching out to him and saying, I want to have a connection with you. And you can just imagine and appreciate the temptation and how difficult this was. But we see him pulling away and saving himself, saving his entire his soul and his future, saving all of us really when he saved her, when he saved himself from her. He held his head so high, apparently, that when he was in jail, we're told that when one day the butler and baker have a bad dream, he says to them, Madua Pnechem Ra'im Hayom, why are you sad today? Why do you have long faces today? Today? Like they're in jail, they're in prison. Why are your faces bad today? The Bali Musar comment, Moshe, sorry, Yosef was such a personality. He was such a a radiant person, and the Torah itself tells us he was Ish Matzliach, a man of success, which by the way, Matzliach means makes others successful. It doesn't only mean he was successful. Matzliach means he makes others successful. He was such an Ish Matzliach that in prison, there was room for a question, why are you sad? In prison, there was room for him to say to other people, what's the matter? That's the kind of person he was. So here we see someone with every reason to be reduced and diminished and feeling horrible about himself. His brothers scorn him. He has nobody to stand up for him. He could think, I'm at fault, because in a way he is a little bit blamed for, for um, spreading his dream. He should have kept it to himself. He did not have the maturity at that time to do that. But he could have blamed himself. He could have bought in to his brother's impression, you're not good, you belong in a pit, you belong a slave. Let's see what happens with your dreams, right? Instead, he rises and rises and rises until he saves his brothers and what? And he forgives them, which is probably the highest point of a person's existence is the ability to forgive. So we have um, the Chashmonaim, we have Yosef, and really every great and exemplary person who are our examples, they needed, among other other traits, they needed to hold a belief in the power and might of a Ben Adam. The mighty power of a human being. In other words, they needed to be able to understand, I am not a helpless creature, an impotent victim of life, distantly placed from a heartless God up in heaven, no, I'm a mighty being who is asked to partner with Hashem in my own well-being. I'll repeat that because it's so, it's such a condensation of so much. I'm not a helpless creature, an impotent victim of life, distantly placed from a heartless God up in heaven. I'm a mighty being who is asked to partner with Hashem in my own well-being. This sounds like a big statement. It sounds maybe like too much. Is it true? Are we really mighty beings? 
are we really partnering with Hashem and he's not just a distant God up in heaven? Are we really that, that much? This might sound incredible. This might sound not believable. So let's look at our sources. Let's look at Bereshis, where it says, Hashem says to his Malachim Nase Adam, let's make man, Adam, a person, Bitsalmenu, Kidmusenu, in our form, like us, alike to us. Rav Chaim and Nefesh Chaim says, what is Kidmusenu? What does it mean that man is made in Salam Elohim? And Rav Chaim says, it means that anything you could say about Elohim, anything you could say about Hashem, there's that inside of a person, that there is godliness inside of every person. Every human contains godliness. There is a elokus inside of a person, mighty power. What does Rav Chaim, what does he say in Nefesh Chaim? He says, takif, mighty, something to contend with. Ba'al ha-yecholas, um, the master of ability. Uva'al ha-kochos kulam, and master of all capacity. So Hashem is the master of the universe, no limits. Inside of each person that he creates, that he created, is masterfulness, is might, is power, is godliness, is hugeness. To put it in the words of Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch in the 19 letters, what is man? Every fiber of your body is a creation of the hand of the Almighty. Your spirit, the spark of the divine, your personality, invisible as deity itself, Weave and work in this microcosm and control your intellect and your body. Learn to deem yourself as holy, as a creature of the Almighty, and consecrate yourself to your mission as a servant of the Creator. This is what Rav Shamshin Rafal Hirsch says about what is a person? What is a Ben Adam? What is a Tzalem Elohim? Are we powerless or are we mighty? So... There's an incredible um, medrash, Tanchuma, um, full of information um, and inspiration. It's on Parshas Pekude with the um, construction of the Mishkan. And we're taught that a person and the Mishkan um, have similarities. And also a person is compared to, is, is like a microcosm of the whole world. A person is compared to the construction of the Mishkan or the mikdash, and a person is compared to um, the the whole the, to a world. And in this medrash that's uh, talking about the mishkan, it describes the soul of a person before they they enter earth, before they they are born. And it describes the part that's well known is that it says that a baby before he's born or she is born is shown, the, is taught the entire Torah. This part is well known, that this baby is taught the entire Torah. And then we know as we enter this world, um, that's forgotten. And then we spend our lifetime um, learning back what we forgot. And that's how it's possible to learn because Torah is so infinite that if we never learned it before, we would not be able to take it in this time around. But since we learned it once, we're able to relearn it. And that's why um, sometimes you might say there's like a familiarity when you hear something and it seems so beautiful and you're excited about it. One of the reasons it resonates is because it's not the first time that we're learning it. And that, so it, it's like, it's like you're hearing something again. You, of course, the first time it was not in a, in the same conscious level as the second time, but the Medrash has more. And one thing that the Medrash says is that the person is, is 
clearly aware that he is, Bino Shalakadosh Baruch Hu. He's completely aware with a full, all-encompassing awareness that he is a child of Hashem. He is aware of his or she, of her own incredible importance and capacity and um, existence as a child of Hashem. And it's just like the Torah that's forgotten, the person's worth and um, reality of who they are is also erased as the person is born. And over a lifetime, we're building back that as well. We're building up back an awareness of this immense power. We're building back knowledge of the power that's rooted in our 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 relationship with Hashem, that we are B'no Shalakadosh Baruch Hu, and our godly soul. We're building back throughout our lifetime and revealing layer by layer or step by step or rung by rung an understanding of our role, our unique personal role in manifesting Hashem in the world. You know, I heard a joke um, that there was a guy who went to buy a uh, power uh, to buy a saw. Start over. I heard a joke that a man went to buy a saw to cut down trees in his forest, and um, he saw one that said that it could. It's guaranteed to cut down twenty trees in one day. Twenty trees in one day. So he's like, "Wow, that's really ambitious." So he takes the saw home and he tries it out, and he's like struggling with it, and you know, it's not going so well. So he brings back to the saw to the store and he says, I think you sold me a, a defective item. So the, the store manager says, okay, I'm uh, sorry about that. You could take another one. So he takes another one, same thing. And he goes home and he comes back uh, after two days and he goes, yeah, this, uh, this thing says it's supposed to cut down 20 trees in one hour. I barely cut down one tree in two days. So the manager says, really? Nobody's having this problem. Let me see. Could you, do you mind if I try it out? So he takes the saw. He pulls the power cord. Vroom! The engine turns on. And the customer screams, what? What was that? Right. He didn't understand that it was a power tool. And he didn't understand that you need to turn on the engine. So he was trying to cut with the saw as a manual tool. And I think about that when we go through our lives and we don't know about our power and we're trying to use it manually so to speak we're trying to go through our lives without engaging our our engine without engaging our the truth is the way you say electricity like ale ale our elocus we're not engaging our power and life is hard that way our own power might be unknown to us and it's just waiting to be uncovered look every morning when we when we wake up we're asked to say this statement of gratitude I give thanks before you, Hashem, you know, uh, we don't say Hashem's name because it's morning, we haven't washed our hands, and we say you're the master of the universe, and you you return my soul to me, bechemla, with compassion, rabah emunasecha, abundant is your faith. And we need to remember that every single person, every single Jew upon awakening is asked to say this, this thank you statement. And Hashem has, we're saying that Hashem has faith in us. Hashem has emuna, abundant faith in us. It's not only the famous great people or, you know, those, uh, that, in, in, that uh, mythical person who doesn't really exist, who never made a mistake, you know, this is not just Hashem's faith is not only in those who don't fail and those who are perfect and those who are functioning in some, you know, magical perfection. 
this is something is it for every single person. Hashem has amuna in us if he gave us another day. His amuna is in each of us. It's a steady stream of connection. And we can try to tap this source of amuna in ourselves and cultivate awareness in our capacity to help a situation change an experience um, or perhaps contribute to a solution. To begin to sense our ability and power requires a belief in Hashem's endless capacity and in our steady and ever-present worth and existence in Hashem's eyes. Now, what is worth? What is worth? There will always be a gap between who we want to be and how we're performing, how we're showing up at a given moment, because we're actually designed to fall. We're designed to fail. That's the design of the human being. If we're fixated on perfection, we'll be guaranteed to be in a state of misery or somewhere you know, around there, maybe at least just feeling a little lost because we're focused on the gap. But if we hold on to the truth that we are perfect in our imperfection, we can relax. Yosef, for example, did not allow his experiences to stop him from owning his own power. If we have awareness of our connection to Hashem, we will be able to sense our own elokos, our own steady worth and unchanging ability. This opens us up to a life experience of safety and trust. I'm walking along Hashem's path. All that happens, no matter how it looks, is leading me where I need to go. In difficulties, I may feel abandoned because I'm not aware that Hashem doesn't drop me. Really, all is on my way. Nothing is getting in my way. When I remember that Hashem never drops me, then I stand tall. And I'm curious to reach for my power. To ask the question, where does my power lie? If I'm going through X, Y, Z now, where is my power in that in this situation? You know, I remember a story um, where um, Rabbi Ephraim Waxman told that um, it had happened that before Yantif, his mother um, had to call a plumber because her kitchen sink uh, was clogged. And of course, that seems like a frustrating situation, right? That seems like something we don't want to have happen. And when the plumber came, he opened the trap under the sink to see what was stopping it. And he very dramatically produced a diamond from inside of the stuff that was collected in the drain. And he said, are you missing this? And of course... Um, Rabbi Waxman's mother um, was um, thrilled to reclaim her diamond that had been lost. I don't know how many months. I think he said six months prior. And the diamond was found because the, the drain stopped at that particular time. And sometimes I think of this sentence, where is the diamond in this situation? There's a diamond in here. What is it? And I think this goes beyond like look on the bright side or 
focus on what you do have, or that's also a very important life skill, focusing on the positive, appreciating the good, but this is even more, this is way, way deeper. This is asking, where is the diamond inside this, this, you know, the sewer problem, this plumbing problem, where is the glowing gem for me inside of this with a curiosity, where indeed, where can it be? Sometimes we don't know right away or even in a while, where is the diamond in this? But what I mean by curiosity is if we're in difficulties and we are able to hold on to that reality that Hashem doesn't drop me and that this has to be something leading me to my next place. And this is Hashem taking care of me. And this is for my highest benefit and my greatest good. Then we become curious instead of fearful. We ask, you know, what can I learn? Like, what, what new, new books can I open? What new, um, experts can I connect with? Um, what new perspective can I try? Um, which partner, which doctor can I partner with to heal this? Um, what information, what new information is there that I can learn about this? Um, what guidance, what support can I access? Can I avail myself of? There's like all these things that can open up if we have a curiosity um, like, what is this? What indeed is happening? Not like having to understand why, but having to say now, where, where, where am I going? Where does this lead me? To quote Dr. Victor Frankel, instead of asking why me, asking now what? So meaning to say, um, being curious, what, what can I learn about this in, from, in what realm, from what type of person, what help can I get for myself? And I want to just put in something, a little bit of a, a side topic here, but that one of the things, a curiosities can be, what chesed can I do in this realm? Because I know it says in Mishlei, go mail nafshow ish chesed, that when we, when a person does a kindness for someone else, the main recipient of the good is themselves. That when we put something out, it comes back to us. That's like a whole nother topic that I think many are familiar with. That when we put something out, something good comes back. So that, let's say, if we have a lack in an, in a, in an area, we think about someone else that's lacking in, a relay, in that area as well and just doing for them. So like, let's say someone who's lacking financially can think of someone else who's lacking financially. And since they likely aren't able to give financially, they can concentrate on asking Hashem for a bracha for that person, give a bracha or ask, you know, for abundance or something. So this idea, it's, it's a little bit of a sidebar, but it fits very importantly here that one of the curiosities can be, what can I do for someone else in this realm where I'm having a pain, an obstacle, a difficulty? It's an interesting exploration. All of this is an exploration. That's all we're talking about now is exploring and by the way, if we do this, if we try to do, you know, use this pasuk of gomel nafshoish chasid, we need to know that we're just doing it for doing it. And we're not doing it so they'll pay us back or so Hashem will pay us back. But we're just saying, I'm lacking in this area. I feel lonely. Let me think of a lonely person and let me um, let this lonely person, like, you know, reach out to this person and give them some friendship. Even if their friendship is not exactly what I'm looking for, just like looking for someone who is um, lacking in something that we feel we're lacking and um, just doing for someone in that, in that realm. So that's an interesting exploration, you know, something that we can do to, um, something that we can do to, um, 
be curious when we are having a, a difficulty, a suffering, being curious, like in addition to learning and reaching out and researching and looking for help and getting guidance and getting support. Another thing we can do is this area of doing a chesed in this realm. So there are many ways to open ourselves up to find out what power do I have? And these are some of the ways that we can find out what's inside of us. Because what happens is when you, when you find out your power, you're finding out what is inside of me. Um, we can expand our access to our inner world. Now, remember what we were talking about earlier about the idea that a person forgets who they are when they're born, right? The more connected we are to our inner world, the more access we have to our unique power. Inside of a person is a vast expanse. That's what Rochaim Velezhner said, a vast expanse. So just like you can go out onto the open in prairie or into a forest or mighty mountains or a gigantic ocean and see the world around us is huge and endless, well, the world inside of us is too, not to mention outer space. And in a microscope, there's vast expanses all, all over. And inside of a person is as well a vast world that can always be explored more and more. Sometimes the power to make a change looks like starting an organization, leading a march, you know, on Washington. But just as often, it takes place, like to quote Rabbi Victor Miller, between my right ear and my left ear. That's where the, the change could take place. You know, there's power in our brains, right? We know this. Quantum physics says everything is energy, right? Thoughts have energy. You know, in the science museum, there's this, um, here in Denver, there's this um, kind of game you could play um, in the ex expedition health where <coughs> two people strap like electrodes or sensors to their forehead and they, the one who's the most relaxed, the ball rolls toward them and they win. So what we're saying is that our brain, our thoughts are energy. Our thoughts are energy. Our brains have, have, a, have, a, have an energy to them. Whatever we think about creates different energies. And you could see that the brain waves result in actual movement of a ball on a table. So that's just one illustration of a huge topic, huge, huge topic. In the Sefer Ma'ine HaChayim, Rav Chaim Zaychik reports that there was, in the time of Rav Chaim Bodlezhener, a lot of Chaims today, um, there was a Rav who poskin something that angered a butcher. Maybe the butcher was going to have a loss, like of, you know, a cow that he was going to sell or something. Anyway, he was angry at the Rav and he decided that he wants to kill the Rav. So he arranged a situation that they would be alone together. And the Rav um, started to realize that he was in danger and the, the, the butcher was about to kill him, lifted a knife or something like that. He's about to kill him. And the Rav realized that there was absolutely nothing that he could do to save himself. Like there was no one around. He couldn't scream or he definitely did not have the physical power to overcome the butcher. And he realized he has no choice except to use his koach hamachshava. And so the story goes that he decided to mentally focus on the positive qualities of the butcher. And he did that for whatever number of seconds or minutes and all of a sudden, something strange happened to the butcher. He um, put down his knife and he began to cry and be beg the rub for forgiveness for such a plan and hug him or kiss him and ask him for forgiveness. And he decided not to kill him. 
And the way that this change came about was with the thinking in the mind of the would-be victim. His thoughts changed the situation. You know, it says in Devarim about Teshuvah, but this is about any good process that a person would want to endeavor in. Lo rachokim, lo, um, lo nifleisi mimcha velo rechokahi. The, the thing is not distant from you and, and far away. The thing is very close to you. In your mouth and in your heart to do it. A good change is not far away. There's something inside of ourselves that um, could has immense power. Our mind has incredible power to bring about changes that are sometimes you can't measure the results. You cannot even measure the results of these changes, but they really happen to begin in our minds and they, and they take place in our minds. I'll share a story that has really opened me up to understanding this, something that occurred in my life recently. <laughs> um, and that is that about almost a year ago or a little, um, um, some months ago, um, I had always been responsible, you know, with my fitness, exercising, taking care of my physical health. And gradually I was noticing that I was becoming more and more unable to, um, go running and to move with ease and something was very, very painful. And it took a long time to actually figure out what was, um, exactly bothering me. What was the source of the problem? It took a long time to, you know, first of all, to, try even to get help and then to, um, figure out what kind of help I needed. And I was at a point where I really couldn't walk. Um, I was in incredible pain. I was up at night with an unbelievable amount of pain in my hip and I, everything else you could imagine, I couldn't sleep at night and you could think of all the ramifications of that. And I didn't know if I'll ever be normal, able to walk again, let alone run. And I was really suffering. And I had gone to doctors who, let's just say, did not have the best bedside manner and they did not um, focus their attention on, you know, um, how it was feeling to be hearing the things that they were saying. And they said that I was going to need two surgeries. Um, four days apart. And, um, I would not be able to have the surgery yet because my, they thought that my bone density wasn't good. So they can't help me with that. So just go see what you could do about that. And we'll see maybe in three months, maybe we'll do the surgery and we'll see. I don't know. And I was like actually in a wheelchair by then. And, um, you know, getting all kinds of muster, like, you know, if you don't stop, start walking, then you're not going to have good bone density. I've been walking for the past 46 years and running, but you know, I was like, and it was just like, it was a combination of like poor bedside manner. And I don't know what, but I was very, very dejected. Like I was in a terrible amount of pain. Plus I was being told that getting help was not going to be easy. At this point, I felt um, kind of lost as you can just probably imagine. And between the combination of all the different types of pain, I was feeling, I guess the best way to describe it is I was feeling like a little teeny um, dot falling off of a cliff, let's say the Grand Canyon. That's kind of how I felt. Falling, 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 falling. And one day in my um, curiosity to 
help myself, my curiosity to see what I could do to help myself, I became aware of a different perspective that, yes, this was going on, but no, I'm not falling. I'm, Hashem did not drop me. Rather, Hashem is actually holding me and not just holding me, but lifting me and caringly lifting me up to the next place that I was ready to go to, that my neshama was ready for my next experience and I was um, ready to graduate to the next level of accomplishment and discovering my inner strength and Hashem was lifting me, Hashem kind of picking my neck, my foot up, like, like you could say, like almost like on a scaffold, like he was lifting me to the next, to the next, um, uh, you know, floor of the building. As soon as I felt that new reality, that new recognition, as soon as I felt that strength that Hashem is not just not dropping me, but he's holding and lifting me up because of his care for me and his belief in me, everything started to, to, it kind of like flipped over, like almost like in a second, the second I, it, within day, a day or two, I got an idea of a different doctor. I put in a call. I was told you're going to be waiting months for this doctor, but it's worth it. You don't go for anything but the best when it comes to having a surgery. You only, you know, you wait, it's just worth it. I, I put in a call, I think on a Tuesday, Wednesday, they called me back and said, come in Monday. While I saw everything opening up for me, I was still in terrible pain and fear, but I also saw that something is shifting. I wrote out a little imagination and I wrote, I'm going to go to this doctor and they're going to say, no, your bone is not in bad condition. You're in fine condition. Your case is not complicated and we're going to operate on you right away. Remember what I had been told before, wait three months, two surgeries. As soon as I shifted in my mind how Hashem is holding me, um, I got the appointment. I made this plan in my mind of what they're going to say to me. Um, on Monday I went and I don't have to tell you what they said because they said exactly what I said. They said exactly what I scripted out. I got there. It wasn't uh, a breeze of an appointment, but you know, it did take hours and hours. But they said, no, you can't be sitting in a wheelchair. Your bones are in normal condition for your stage. We'll do one surgery on you. Uh, come in on Thursday four days later. And I said, wow, I'm not abandoned. And I see that I'm being taken care of. And it's my job to keep going up and up and up with this. Understanding that even just inside our own minds is like a nuclear reactor of power can encourage us to be curious about how great and mighty is the extent of our power in general. Even what we think about can create a physical reality. Change lies in the brain, right? Our life is basically made up of our awareness. Hashem created us to thrive. Not just to survive. Hashem created us to thrive. To have an amazing experience in His world. To get to know our unique soul's journey. Thereby expressing Hashem in the world. When we approach life as a journey of ever-increasing awareness like a winding road always leading to our greatest good, we'll be able to access hope, trust, and empowerment. As we wind down and we come to our last example, I invite you to really think about where life can shift when we 
think of ourselves as powerful beings with incredible might, especially inside our own brains, and as cherished, connected beings connected to Hashem, whom he always is lifting and carrying, never dropping, never abandoning or forgetting about, whose worth is ever-present and not dependent about, upon our perfection of performance, I invite everybody to think about and share with me how this shifts our life experience. And I will end with one last example. When Hagar was wandering in the Midbar, Ishmael got sick. We know that he becomes ill and she's devastated. She throws him under a bush, it says, and she says, I can't see the death of the child. She throws him down and and, and distances herself from, from him because she says, I'm, I'm hopeless and I'm helpless. Hashem says to her, Hagar, don't fear. Pick up the boy. Hold his hand, for I will make him a great nation. And then the Pasuk tells us, Hashem opened her eyes and she saw a well. He opened her eyes and she saw a well. It does not say Hashem created a well. It says Hashem opened her eyes and she saw a well. It seems from the way the Pesukim are written that the well was there. She just hadn't seen it. Salvation is available to us. And we are asked and invited all our lives to see what we can do to find the Yeshua that Hashem has prepared for us. As we say every day in the Birkas HaShachar, She'asa li kol tzarki. Hashem already made for me all of my needs. And after hearing this, I ask all of us, you, myself, I ask us all, is there a part inside of here, inside of this, I, these ideas that resonates and that can give us an experience in life of empowerment and, and um, being connected to our ability to find a Yeshua for ourselves and others. Please share with me your, um, your insights and your experiences with this now and in the future. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share these beautiful ideas. We should all be Zoha to experience a life where this becomes more and more real for us. We get more and more connected to ourselves and to Hashem.